the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. And good morning. I'm Gary Randall. Thank you so much for joining me today. It's Monday, February the 28th, 2022, in the year of our Lord. Today, on February 28, 1993, a gun battle erupted. It, it was a religious compound near Waco, Texas. The Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, and Firearms agents tried to arrest Branch Davidian leader David Koresh. You may remember that. They were trying to arrest him on weapons charges couldn't get him on anything else. It was a religious group that was there. They're a cult, and I'm not in any way defending uh, what they taught because it wasn't biblical. But the way it was handled by the administration, by the Clinton administration, and particularly Janet Reno, who was the attorney general at the time, was pathetic. On this day, in February 28th, the uh, 51-day standoff began against these folks, and um, four agents and six Davidians were killed, but the, it went on for 51 days, and at the end of the 51 days, it was tragic, and I don't have time to get into that today, but they, the whole place caught on fire, and children and women and men were killed, and it was awful. Janet Reno was in way over her head, but she was a woman, and she was qualified as a woman because we needed a woman to be the attorney general. That was Clinton's words back then. Today in 1849, the California gold rush began in earnest. The regular steamship, uh, steamship service started bringing gold seekers to San Francisco. Today in 1953, scientists James Watson and Francis H.C. Crick they announced that they had discovered the double helix structure of DNA. That was a big deal. I don't know a lot about the double helix structure of DNA, but I know it was a big deal. It opened the door in science to lots of things. Today, in 1975, 40, 42 people were killed in London's underground when a train smashed into the end of the tunnel. Today, in 2009, Paul Harvey the news commentator, talk radio pioneer. Remember his staccato voice? It made him one of the nation's most familiar voices and most loved broadcasters. Twenty-some million listened to him regularly. He died in Phoenix. He was 90 years old. Paul Harvey, today in 2009. With the Lord. Today in 2014, President Barack Obama expressed deep concern over reported military activity inside Ukraine by Russia. He said there will be costs for any intervention. That was today in 2014. Today in 2018, Walmart announced that it could no longer sell firearms and ammunition to people younger than 21 and would remove uh, items resembling assault-style rifles from its website. Dick's Sporting Goods said it would stop selling assault-style rifles and ban the sale of all guns to anyone under 21. Um, you know, there's so much 
could be said about that. I'm not going to get into that today because that's not what we're talking about, except to say that I wonder if, if this somehow is kind of virtue signaling on the part of Walmart back then. And, and this kind of thing continues today. Dick Sporting Goods. Um, the guns that they stopped selling were not really assault rifles. They always use the word assault style. Well, that makes that that's a lot different than an assault rifle. And um, I think they they were trying to appeal to the left with words and deed in kind of a virtue signaling kind of thing. The thing that is missed on all of this gun issue is that it isn't the guns that are killing people and it isn't the people who buy guns legally. So all of this stuff that Walmart and Dick Sporting Goods and others do, it may make them feel better or make them look better in front of an audience that they're wanting to appeal to, but it doesn't really stop violence with guns because there are violent people among us and they don't acquire their weapons legally anyway, so it doesn't matter what these people do. Anything short of total gun confiscation will not stop bad people from using guns. And that won't happen in America, at least not in the foreseeable future, because while America or a good part of it, our country drifts left, we're not there yet. And um, I don't spend a lot of time out advocating for guns, but man, I'm a big believer in them and have them and have grown up with them. And they're, they're not evil. They're good. They shoot ducks and pheasants and geese and deer and elk. I mean, they're, they're really great. And um, the ones I have aren't violent at all. So we don't need to get rid of those. But anyway, today in 2018, Walmart and Dick Sporting Goods, they said they were going to solve the gun crisis, the gun violence, by stopping selling them. I don't know. Associated Press and most other news organizations are reporting yesterday that Vladimir Putin has, quote, in a dramatic ex, uh, escalation of east-west tensions over Russia's invasion of Ukraine, ordered Russian nuclear forces put on high alert. He did this in response to what he called aggressive statements by leading NATO powers. I want to talk a little bit about some of those aggressive statements. A senior U.S. defense official on condition of anonymity, he said Putin's action is potentially putting in play forces that if there's a miscalculation, in other words, if somebody thinks somebody said push the button and they didn't say it, it could make things much, much more dangerous. Well, I think we can all imagine that. We don't have to be anonymous to be thinking that. But I want to look at the weekend of war today on this program a little bit and just get an overview of what's going on. But I want to do so also from a biblical perspective. What has happened? What could happen? And what, if anything, does it mean from a biblical perspective? I want to take a moment today to thank you for your support. We to are totally dependent upon our listening audience. And I'm fully aware by various sources that we have a growing um, listening audience. And I want to thank you for listening 
and to those of you who support this ministry, and it is a ministry from my perspective, I wouldn't do it otherwise, um, I want to thank you for your support of it. We need your support, and we don't spend a lot of time talking about it on this program, but I, I want to urge you to prayerfully consider standing with us. Um, I'm watching other ministries, and some I have very personal connection to, and I know that some are struggling. These are difficult times, and they're just for everyone uh, under most all circumstances. These are not good times. They're challenging times, and that holds true with a lot of ministries. We have been blessed by you and by the Lord through you, and um, we're doing well. But when we get a little behind, I mentioned it to you because we don't want to get into a situation that we can't get out of. And we can continue this as you stand with us in your support. So I just want to thank you for that. I want to thank you for prayerfully considering what God would have you do to help sustain this ministry. And if you'll do that, I'll keep doing this and everything will be just fine as long as God wants it to be. So we shall carry on. But thank you. And please consider standing with us during these times. It's so important that we talk about the things we're talking about, and I can't do it without you. And, of course, the Lord's blessing, most of all. Our address is Box 399, Bellevue, Washington, 98009. Box 399, Bellevue, 98009. You can go to our website, faithandfreedom.us not .com or .net or whatever, but it's .us, like United States. And there's a tab there you can contribute online as well. Many of you know that. Thank you in advance from my heart. Russia is scrambling this morning to prevent financial meltdown. I looked at the news worldwide. I want to give you just about a one-minute overview here, minute and a half. President Vladimir Putin, he was due to have a kind of a secret meeting that isn't secret, crisis talks with his top advisors this morning. The ruble, their money, uh, their dollar, so to speak, it crashed to a record low against the U.S. dollar over the weekend. The Russian Central Bank more than doubled interest rates to 20% over the weekend, and Moscow Stock Exchange was shuttered. European subsidiary of, of Russia's largest bank is on the brink, it's in the UK actually, but it's on the brink of collapse. Savers are rushing to withdraw their deposits. Uh, economists are warning that the Russian economy could shrink by 5%. That's a lot for a large economy. The ruble lost about 20% of its value. It's trading at 100 to 1, the US dollar this morning. And earlier, overnight, it plummeted to as much as 40% loss of its value. And the, the uh, trading uh, stock market of Russia, as I said, has, was delayed, then it was canceled entirely. Putin's government has spent, in the past eight years, preparing Russia for tough sanctions by building up a war chest of $630 billion in international reserves. That includes currency and gold, but at least some of that financial firepower is now frozen. This fortress that he was building for his own protection because he knew he would be doing things like he's doing in the Ukraine. He knew there would be sanctions and he wanted to be able to live with them. Uh, 
Now, that's under unprecedented assault, and I think that he was not prepared for the reaction from the world that he's getting, and I don't think he was prepared for the resistance that he's getting from the Ukrainian people. They're very strong-willed, many of them. I would say a vast majority of them are Christian, and they're asking God to help him, and God is helping them. I don't know what the outcome of this will be, but I do know that they're very prayerfully approaching this. I talked a little bit about their prayer life and people praying in the middle of parking lots there on Friday on the program here. But the European commissioner, this President Ursula, uh, she said in a statement on Sunday, she said, we will ban the transaction of Russia's central bank. Even Switzerland, for the first time in history, they are not remaining uh, neutral on this issue. They, too, are joining with other countries to ban Russian uh, access to their own to Russia's own money. So the United States has banned the U.S. dollar transactions with Russia. So there is some squeeze. I think it's beyond what Putin expected. And the... Um, our strategy, to put it simply, is to make sure the Russian economy goes backward as long as President Putin decides to go forward with the invasion of Ukraine. That was a senior administration official told Associated Press that this morning. So Russia and Ukraine are meeting this morning at the border with Belarus, and uh, they're talking about the conflict. Ukrainian uh, officials have made it very clear, and the presidential advisor, this, I don't know how to pronounce his name, but anyway, they told Reuters that this face-to-face -face exchange was actually underway a little while ago. It is happening. And the Ukrainian president's office said earlier this morning that the aim of this is an immediate ceasefire and withdrawal of Russian forces from Ukraine. They are not talking about their, their giving, you know, laying down their weapons and so on. In fact, the president of Ukraine, Zelensky, he said 16 year, uh, Ukrainian children have been killed so far. Another 45 have been injured in the Russian invasion. But he said over 4,500, 4,500 Russian troops have been killed. And he told Putin excuse me, publicly, that his troops should lay down their guns and leave, go home, go back to Russia. They are a very determined group, and it's, it's very, uh, it's admirable. But he added a, in a video message this morning that every crime, every shelling by the occupiers bring our partners and us even closer. So this is kind of where we are in all of this <clears throat> right now as it's developing, and I'm sure that there will be reports coming out today um, after our live origination here this morning about what happened in that meeting between Ukraine and Russia on the Belarus border. But Ukraine has been very clear about the fact that they are not going there to work out some kind of a, uh, a deal, a kind of a limited surrender that doesn't look like a surrender. They said, we have no interest in that. The president, Zelensky of Ukraine, was offered a, a, a ride out of the country by the United States. They offered to get him out of there for to save his life. And he said, I don't need your ride. He said, I just need your weapons. 
And so uh, he said, I'm staying here and fighting for the country. Uh, there's a, There are headlines in Europe. I didn't see them in the United States today, but not surprising that Putin has sent his uh, special forces into um, Kiev or, well, Kiev, they're calling it now, but um, to assassinate uh, the president, Zelensky, of Ukraine. So a lot going on for sure. But why would Putin put his nuclear forces on alert status? Is he serious? Is he playing games? House Minority Leader Representative Kevin McCarthy, he's a Republican from California, he would, will be Speaker of the House if the Republicans take over the House in the next election in, in November of this year, the 2022 election. And they probably will. I hope they do. I pray they do. But anyway, he said yesterday, he told the press, he said, I think there's two reasons why Putin has rolled out this nuclear force thing. He said, first, he said, I believe one reason is that the war is not going well for Putin and he's being painted into a corner and he wants to be a stronger hand to try to negotiate a way out of it. Well, McCarthy would be well informed. I mean, he sees all of the reports, I think. This could be true. As I said, they're meeting as we speak at the border. Who knows what they're saying, but we'll find out later today, I guess. But it's been widely reported that Putin thought taking over the country would be much easier. He underestimated the resistance. Secondly, McCarthy says Putin is unstable. I saw Condoleezza Rice on the air over the, uh, she was Secretary of State under George W. Bush. She was on uh, Fox, one of the Fox programs over the weekend, and I, I saw her, I saw her last night, actually, uh, the video of it. But she she's very uh, refined and very uh, usually understated, uh, pretty smart, uh, really smart. But she was saying that she thinks he's terribly unstable and he's acting in ways that she, in her role over the years, met with him many, many times. She said he's acting in ways I've never seen before out of him. She wasn't defending him in any way. She was just saying he's kind of lost it. So others are saying that as well, who would know, and they've been around him. But at this moment in time, he says no country in the world should stand with Putin, McCarthy says. He said everyone should unite around the basis of what he just claimed to take in the last uh, number of hours. And this was yesterday. He's referring to the command for nuclear readiness. Last week, Putin forcefully told the press you will remember this, I mentioned it on this program, that countries, quote, who interfere with his invasion of Ukraine will face consequences you have never seen in your history. That was directed at the United States in particular, but anyone in general. Some U.S. defense experts are suggesting that Putin has been surprised at the Ukraine resistance, is putting up this nuclear threat to play in order to kind of de-escalate and topple Ukraine. Maybe he thinks that will push them over the edge, their fear of nuclear weapons, but it doesn't seem to be. There's growing concern over President Biden's mental readiness. Now, President Biden is giving his State of the Union address tomorrow night, and I'll be talking a little bit more about that tomorrow morning, about some of the things that, some of the ways that we should listen to what he has to say, if you listen. But ABC anchor George Stephanopoulos said yesterday on This Week, that's ABC's news show every Sunday, he said that a new ABC News Washington Post poll shows 54% uh, 54 of Americans 
do not believe President Joe Biden is mentally sharp. Stephanopoulos actually said that, and he's locked at the hip with the Clintons. He was Bill Clinton's, you know, guy. He ran the office there. I forget. I think he was chief of staff. I, th- I think that was his title, but really tight with the Clintons and very left in his philosophy and worldview. But he brought this up on on the on the show on the this week's show, and he sa- he said um, he was talking to Jen Psaki, the uh, press secretary for the White House. He said the president is approaching his State of the Union in a pretty difficult political position right now, 37% approval rating, Democrats trailing badly in the midterm polling. This is George Stephanopoulos, not somebody on Fox. He said a majority in our recent poll out this morning even questioned the president's mental capacity. How is he going to turn that around on Tuesday night? How much has his State of the Union been changed by this war in Ukraine? And then... Jen Psaki took off, and I won't go through what all she said. We may visit a little, revisit that tomorrow. But she said, in essence, she said, you know, George, coming uh, from covering State of the Unions for some time, that is about delivering a message to the public at a moment in time. In other words, it doesn't matter what he's done. It matters how he performs tomorrow night, on Tuesday night, when he gives his, his speech, his State of the Union, and what he says. She's trying to wipe away all of the reality around the, the function of the president so that uh, we will only we will focus only on what he says and how he says it. Well, I think that's a pretty dangerous thing to draw attention to because he doesn't communicate very well. And it's getting worse before the eyes of America. Even the left is turning against him. I mean, because he was their guy and, you know, yay. And now, I mean, he's kind of an absentee president. I mean, he's out there and he's shuffling around and he's doing things, but to no effect. And he isn't thinking clearly and everybody knows it. So the Democrats are trying to figure out how to get out of this presidency. And it's only, he's only a year into it. It's kind of a tragic situation, but that's where we are. But Saki went on to say that she um, she wants to uh, be be sure that America knows that the president tomorrow night is going to be speaking about hope. And I was reminded of the hope and change of the Obama years. And uh, she said we need to look ahead. Well, I'm not sure what where Saki finds her hope and change in the future of the Democratic leadership. If not President Biden, does Vice President Harris, does that does she inspire the Democrats and inspire America to be hopeful? I don't think so. What about Hillary Clinton? She's kind of putting on her makeup and buying some new dresses, and she's out there again. She's talking to everybody that'll have her on the media, and a lot of them are. Her name is being discussed again, I'm told, as a possible replacement for Biden. Inspiring? I don't think so. What about Nancy Pelosi? Now, I, who wants Nancy Pelosi as president of the United States? Maybe Senator Chuck Schumer. You start to go through the list of these people, and where is the inspiration? Where is the leadership? It isn't there. Bernie Sanders is doing a lot of talking to the press right now. He seems to be getting up, getting his engine running, his political engine. He's getting quite politically active. What about AOC, Ocasio-Cortez? She has a lot to say. Pretty difficult to find leadership from the left, even 
that even closely reflects the views and the beliefs of most Americans, and that's where we are today. Yesterday, Reuters News Service reported on the CPAC annual conservative uh, conference in Florida that 59% of the people there in a straw vote voted for Trump, while 28% voted for Florida Governor Ron DeSantis. The others were quite a quite a bit behind. In the straw, bo- uh, straw poll question that did not include Trump, DeSantis got 61% of the votes. Surprisingly, former Vice President Pence was quite a ways behind that vote. Some attendees from Florida said they preferred Trump in 2024 because they want to keep DeSantis as governor for a few more years because he's fixing Florida. That's interesting. But many Christian leaders have called for all Americans and Christians around the globe to pray for the people of Ukraine yesterday, Franklin Graham and a number of others. Are these the end times that the Bible talks about? Is Russia a player in the the biblical teaching about the end times? Most prophecy, Bible prophecy experts discuss topics very carefully, the, the good ones, the legitimate ones do, and prayerfully because the Bible clearly tells us not to set dates regarding God's plans in the future. However, the Bible, including Jesus himself, taught there would be signs that would help us understand the times in which we live. World events, as they pertain to the writing of the prophet Ezekiel, seem to be seem to place Russia in the mix of events. Rosenberg, Joel Rosenberg, and others have written. A lot of people have written about this. He has because of his ministry and what he does, but he's written extensively about it. Some of his thoughts include and are parallel to my own thoughts. Some are not. But the Hebrew prophet Ezekiel wrote 2,500 years ago that in the last days of history, Russia and Iran will form a military alliance to attack Israel from the north. Most biblical scholars refer to this as described in Ezekiel 38-39 as the War of Gog and Magog. The text discussed a Gog of the land of Magog, and it points to not only a battle, but a victory for the Lord before the eyes of of the world. Now this comes into the second coming of Christ, this event, but it's shaping up before the second coming of Christ. In Ezekiel chapter 38, it's laid out, and I don't have time to read the verses, but I'm sure you've read them, and if not, you should. But it leads us to the conclusion that Gog is a person, whoever Gog is, he is from the land of Magog and is the leader of Tubal and Meshach and, and some translations uh, add Rush to the list and a confederacy of other nations, Persia, Cush, Put, Gomer, Beth, so on. And whoever he is, he will have plans to attack a peaceful and unsuspecting people, that is Israel. But regardless of Gog's plans, the Lord is against him and will defeat him soundly. That's in Ezekiel 38 um, four nineteen through twenty three and uh, Ezekiel thirty nine three th- three through five. So, why is Russia believed to be Magog? Well, if you take a map and you look at the north, these scriptures talk about the Gog comes from the far north or the north. You'll find that Russia and former Soviet territories are inlaid right into that area that the Bible defines that geographic area. So it's not surprising to see that many legitimate Bible experts point to this region. And 
you can also note that Persia, a nation listed as being in alliance with Magog, is modern-day Iran. So when we look at this, we see that, yes, indeed, this does have some connection to biblical prophecy. I'll see you tomorrow. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.